Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Good morning. Uh, My name's Will, if you don't know who I am. It's great to be speaking to you this morning. We're in a series at the moment called Intimate. And over, um, over the next uh, couple of weeks, we're continuing to understand what it means to imitate Jesus. We want to we know, love, follow, serve, in, imitate the radical Jesus. This is like a fresh new look on how to be Jesus to the people around us in our, in our works, in our schools, in our universities, in our communities. Um, First week we looked at intimacy. Reuben talked about we need to get intimate with God. We need to find our thin space, whether that's in an armchair, whether that's on a dog walk. Every day we need to find that place where heaven and you are closest. Then we looked with Joel at humble Jesus. Jesus is humble. He was not only a humble leader, but he was also a humble follower of the Father. And then last week we looked at tempted Jesus. Tempted Jesus. The only way to resist temptation is by God's Spirit that lives inside of us, something that lives inside of us when we become a Christian. And this morning I am talking on forgiveness. And this is a really difficult topic. Thank you, Reuben. <laughs> I forgive you. Um, no, seriously, I, because I'll tell you why it's difficult because I'm very aware that there are people in this room that are probably hurting this morning that are probably really struggling with the process of healing, whether that's divorce, whether that's death, whether that's a broken relationship, whether it's against God, whether against yourself or somebody else. In no way am I here this morning to make you feel guilty. In no way am I here this morning to put pressure on you. Please hear me when I say that. I just simply want to encourage you, wherever you are on your journey, to think about the radical forgiveness that Jesus has given you and how you can be radically, that you can radically forgive somebody else. I hope I can help in this journey um, towards that unconditional response that Jesus gave us. You know, we live in a world that is so easy far easier to be confrontational, argumentative, unforgiving than to live at peace. This is totally opposite to the kingdom of God that we're called to. You know, forgiveness, do we think it's a sign of weakness or do we think that it's the easy way or it's natural to have to take revenge against someone? You know, everyone today is so easily offended. Sorry seems to be the hardest words. Well, Elton... What about I forgive you? How hard is it to say to someone, I forgive you? Are you struggling with those three words? Well, this morning, let's discover what God says about forgiveness, what he says to you and what he's asking of you. So if you want to turn to your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew 18, 21 to 35. I'm going to be reading from the NLT version. It should should come up on the screen. Okay. Then Peter came to him and asked, 
Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decides to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who have borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little, little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. This is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother's and sisters from your heart. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Why? Because forgiveness is far easier than maths. Oh. <laughs> you make me feel like my dad. <laughs> now we need to fully understand this, this passage and what, what's going on here. Peter was wishing to look really good in front of Jesus. He was wanting to seem as if he had a really forgiving heart because the Jewish teachers at the time taught that forgiveness should happen three times and then after that it was unnecessary. We get this from um, the book of Amos because there's a story where God forgave Israel's um, enemies three times and then punished them. So suggesting that we forgive seven times, more than double what the Jewish teachers are suggesting, surely would gain favour for, for Peter with Jesus. When Jesus responded and said, no, you must forgive 490 times, far beyond what Peter was suggesting, must have blown their mind. What? Forgive more than three times? They would have been looking at it with their religious eyes which continues to happen today, looking at it from the law's point of view rather than the unlimited amounts of grace that Jesus offers. But Jesus wasn't just limiting forgiveness to 490 times. He, he basically meant, by the way, beyond counting. But not only as Christians are we called to forgive unlimited times, we have to have the same gracious attitude at the first time as well as the 491st time, the same attitude, the same heart, the same grace. So my questions this morning, are, there's two. The first one is why? And the second one is how? So let's look at why we should forgive. Well, it's obvious when 
when you are bitter towards someone, it never changes the one that you are bitter towards. It actually just changes you. It's clear that revenge imprisons us, but forgiveness sets you free. A group of doctors were asked, which emotions affect you physically the most? And they said anger and forgive, failing to forgive. And there's loads of studies that show that neglecting forgiveness can lead to various mental, spiritual, and physical health issues. So from a health point of view, ladies and gentlemen, let's get forgiving. But what does God's word say about it? Why should we really forgive? Because the greatest act of all was God's forgiveness. He sent his one and only son to die this cruel and gruesome death to save you, to forgive you. If that's not enough, then I don't know what is. This changes everything that God sent his son to, get rid, to make sure that you can be forgiven. All because he loves you. Mad. All because he loves you. Even if you were the only person in the world that needed dying for and saving and forgiving, he still would have done it. Blows my mind. But you might be saying to me, well, this person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Or they aren't really ready for forgiveness. But God didn't wait until you were ready. Or you earned it. You get it for free. Simple forgiveness for free. In Romans 5, 8... It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. While you were still a sinner, when things weren't looking good, Jesus still died for you. If we weren't ready for it, why do the people that we need to forgive, need to, why do they have to be ready for it? Even when Jesus was hung on that cross and be, 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 below him was these soldiers and they mocked him, he still asked the Father, right in front of their face, he still asked the Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is radical forgiveness what we, that we need to listen to. You know, Jesus says, or the Lord says, when, when we ask for forgiveness, it's like our sins were scarlet and he makes them white as snow or red like crimson and he makes them white as wool. This is what he does to your sin. We have to understand forgiveness first from a place of love. That God loves you. God died for you. This should empower you surely to go and do the same when people do wrong against you. As recipients of this great gift, we should be the ones that are most ready to offer it to other people. You know, our, our reputation as a church should be of forgiveness, of letting go of those people who are, are gracious. That's what our reputation should be, letting go and showing people of God's love. We should use this privileged position not simply just to save ourselves. It's okay, I've been forgiven, I'm going to heaven. But it's actually to drive us, empower us to go and save other people. So we must start with the why. Why? Not because it makes you a good person. Not because you have pressure from other people to forgive. Not because it's a shortcut to your healing that you desperately need. Why? Because God loves you. Why? Because you are forgiven. Why? 
because we are called to this radical lifestyle. Why? Because the Bible says if we don't forgive others, then the Father won't forgive us. If we are not willing to forgive others, the Father isn't willing to forgive us. So how? How on earth do we do this? Well, do you ask the question, do you, are they really ready for it? Do they really want it? Do we make them fight for it first and then to prove themselves to us? Is that how we do it? What about if they don't even ask for it? Are we still called to this radical forgiveness? To look at a person that hurt you, to look at a person that has brought you a lot of pain, takes a lot of strength. We have to really rely on the power of God to be able to forgive people. You know, Christ forgave you instantly when you asked for it. Is that for someone here now? Do you need God's forgiveness instantly? Do you need it today? Then don't go this morning without receiving the forgiveness of God. You know, God's forgiveness is scandalous when you think about it. When we're struggling to forgive, we have to remember that God has forgiven us and find strength in that. It can be dangerous. It can be risky. We just have to look at the story of Paul. Paul was killing Christians. He, he set his life to go and kill and destroy the movement of the early church. And he had this huge conversion where Jesus revealed himself to him and he decided to give his, his life to God. But imagine the disciples at that point. This man has been trying to kill us. This man has hated us. What We're just supposed to accept him in as part of the mission. We're just supposed to accept him in and, and trust that he's not going to go evil again and he's on this, this path of just tricking us. It's risky. It's dangerous. But this is the life that God is calling you to too. Will you turn to forgiveness? Are you ready for radical forgiveness? You know, there's a, an Irish writer that tells a story, Frank O'Connor, of, of when he was a child, him and, and, and other boys, they used to go running in, in the countryside and the fields. And when they ever got to like an orchard wall or a big thing that they couldn't overcome, what they do is throw their hats over the wall. So they were forced that they couldn't leave that place until they retrieved their hats. Almost put themselves in that position where they, they couldn't turn back. I wonder if this is a way of looking at forgiveness. Do we need to toss the hat over the wall by saying the three words, I forgive you? And then let God do the work in us. Then let God heal us and help us process that pain and that suffering that may take years. But at least we've thrown the hat over and said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving this situation until I retrieve my hat. I truly forgive that person. Maybe it's something that you need to try. You know, in this church, we know a lot about scandalous forgiveness. In 2003, our good brother, our friend, Stephen Oak, got killed while he was um, on duty as a policeman. He, um, he was actually the first, um, 
He was the actual first policeman to be killed um, by a terrorist in this country. Steve was an active member of this church, a legend, played in a trumpet in the band, and he was on duty, and he sacrificed his life for the other people, his other uh, policemen. Do you know, while speaking with the family this week, it's given me a deeper understanding of forgiveness and the process that is a lifelong process. It's never just black and white. In fact, Christianity is not this thing when you've got this wound of this, this, this plastic surgery that Christianity comes along and gets rid of all the mistakes and the pain and the hurt as if it never existed. That's not how Christianity works. You know, he doesn't get rid, God doesn't get rid of all the evidence that the wound was there. But on the flip side, if you think about it, if we leave those wounds like untreated, then they will start to eat away. I don't know about you, but if you've ever smelled rotting flesh, it's the worst smell you could ever smell. I smelt it in an Indian hospital. And you know what? It's, it affected the whole corridor. People had to put things over their faces. And while we were chatting to her, we had to cover our faces. It's disgusting. It affected all of us. If we don't deal with forgiveness and the hurt and, and the wound that we have got, it's going to start smelling. It's going to start rotting. It's going to eat you away. If you don't deal with this forgiveness, it's going to get worse, not for yourself, but also people around you. It's going to affect your whole family. It's going to affect your friends. Do you know, forgiveness is like the healing process. God doesn't promise that he gets rid of the scar. The scar doesn't go. It's not plastic surgery. The scar will be there, but that scar is there to remind you of the story of forgiveness. That scar is there to remind you that you have not been defeated. That scar is to remind you of what you learned. Maybe you need to start that healing process. Maybe you need to stop covering it up. Get it out. Process. Get it healed. Maybe you need to chuck the hat over the wall and say, I forgive you. Do you know, Steve's Oak, Steve Oak's dad, Robin, was also um, a policeman in the Isle of Man. And he was interviewed 20, well, the, the, the day after Steve had been killed. And I just want to quote what he said. I read this book years ago, and this week when I knew it was on forgiveness, this is Robin Oak's book on forgiveness. And I thought, I'm going to get it down from, from the loft, and was just absolutely taken back by this scandalous forgiveness, this radical way of living. So this is what he said when he was interviewed. He was asked lots of different questions, and then a reporter asked him, Robin, what do you think of the man who murdered your son? He said this, I don't know the man or all the circumstances of the operation, but from my heart I forgive him. I'm going to say that again. I don't know the man or all the circumstances of the operation, but from my heart, I forgive him. How? How could a father forgive someone less than 24 hours later? How could he do it? And this is what he writes. 
I came to that conference with a deep-seated peace in my heart and mind. I had no bitterness, even though I knew how much Leslie and the family, Chris and my daughters, would be hurting. I sensed that many of, many of our friends and, of course, Steve's colleagues, especially those who worked with him, would be grieving. But in the midst of all this, although I felt very weak, in an incredible way, I experienced a strength which could have only come from God. Robin could have only done this from the strength of God, from the strength from God. Maybe that was Robin's hat moment of saying, I'm going to declare that I'm going to forgive this man. And he says it on national TV. Maybe it's taken years, that process of healing. Maybe it's still going on now. But he started that process off by declaring that he forgave the man who murdered his son. Give God something to work with. Whatever you're struggling with, give him something to work with. Don't hold back. Following Christ is never the easiest route. You know, the Greek translation of forgiveness, interestingly, isn't about feelings. It's about action, athene. So, we need to think about this. It's not about feeling, it's about action. Maybe this forgiveness that we're called to is further on in our thinking, or further on than we think. Maybe it starts with the word, I forgive you, but doesn't end there. But what about if you're saying, I've forgiven them, but our relationship won't ever be the same again? I've said that. Or what about, I've forgiven them, but I'm not really sure I want them in my life anymore? I've said that. Maybe because it's painful. But that isn't our calling. This isn't scandalous or radical. Hunt down relational conflict. This is what I'm told by a good friend of mine. Hunt down relational conflict. Do everything to make that relationship better than it was before. Don't take the easy route. Why? Because you are in a privileged position because you have been forgiven. You are loved by God himself. Hunt down relational conflict. What is that one thing that you say, I will never forgive? What's that one thing that you could never forgive? Why? Why is that? Is that our calling? The challenging road to forgiveness can be painful, but it's worth it. It's the radical life we are called to live. So why? Because we have been forgiven. We are loved, and we should share this gift with the people who desperately need it in this world. How? By the words and actions. Try throwing the hat over the wall. Start the healing process off and asking God's spirit inside of you to help. So as I said at the start, I don't know where you're at. There are different stages of forgiveness. Some of you are good at it. Some of us are not. Something, it might be over murder. It might be over divorce. It might be over someone being unfaithful to you. It might be you, and it might be God. I don't know where you're at. But I want to take a moment now 
for us to reflect and work out what's God saying to me this morning? Who's that one person that I've been avoiding for a long time? Is it a family member? How can you go above and beyond? Do you know, one of the hardest things when, when somebody hurts you, I think it's the words, I forgive you, can be really, really hard. But once you've said them, it's the actions that need to follow. Go out for tea with them. It might be painful. It might be awkward. Go for a coffee with them. It might be the, the hardest hour of your life. But show God. Show them that you are radically different to this world. So why don't you close your eyes? I just want you to ask the question, God, who do I need to forgive? Father, who is it that we need to forgive? Are you willing to start this healing process off? Then ask Father to help you with that process. You're not over a divorce. You're not over a death. Are you not over a word that someone has spoken over your life? What about a past relationship? Lord, maybe it's you that we that we have got so angry at. Maybe it's you we want we need to forgive. And Lord, we say sorry. Lord, we want to start that healing process. Oh. Or maybe it's yourself. Let go this morning. Let go of it. Maybe you've recognized that your hatred and bitterness is affecting the people closest to you. Let go of it. Start the healing process off today. Or maybe it's yourself that needs forgiveness. In a bit, we're going to take communion. And maybe that's your way to start this process off by understanding why receiving forgiveness yourself, understanding the love that God has for you so you can go out and be radically different. The Holy Spirit come. Minister to us right now, Lord. We want to be radically different to this world. We accept it's not easy. We accept there may be pain to come before we get to that place. But Lord, 
Start it off in us. Lord, as we leave those church doors today, may we be lighter than we were when we walked in. May we be on a mission to go and love and forgive somebody. sing a song called oh come to the altar wherever you're at whether you stay sat whether you stand whether you just listen whether you just continue to pray maybe you're praying for someone just take this time to get it right with God because anyone can come to the altar anybody can experience the forgiveness and the love listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.